there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one soul-searching page of Talmud each day. And today's page, Kiddushin 7 and 8, are not what I would call a sort of easy, sprightly read because they are really kind of into arithmetic, into the counting of exactly how betrothal works and how much money ought to be paid and how precisely should the stipulations of the marriage contract work. Here's a little taste. The Gemara adds, and this is in accordance with the opinion that Rav Huna says, that Rav says, with regard to anyone who states a provision employing the phrase on the condition, it is tantamount to his stipulating that the agreement take effect retroactively from now. An agreement stipulated by means of the phrase on the condition takes effect immediately. This is not like an ordinary agreement which takes effect only after the condition has been fulfilled. So much talk about contracts and how they work and how exactly we could keep track of this intricate math that makes up the betrothal and the marriage contract. And all this put me in mind of a different kind of contract that Jews all over the world have to grapple with starting really this week. Because this week, this past Thursday, if you're listening in chronological order, we welcomed in the month of Elul, a magical, mystical month that compels us to do precisely what the rabbis do in the page of Talmud today, to do cheshbon nefesh, Hebrew for the arithmetic of the soul, to take very, very close stock of everything we've got and really look very carefully at our own betrothal agreement with our Creator. Unlike every other aspect of Judaism, a religion not shy about stipulating the very precise terms of more or less every ritual and practice it commands, this one comes with almost no instruction. So on our sister podcast, Unorthodox, we spent some time figuring out what this amazing month is about and how we ought to approach it. And we want to play a little snippet for you featuring a very familiar voice. Have a listen. Rabbi David Bashevkin, hello, my friend. Leo, what an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited to be talking to you about one of my favorite topics, Elul. So usually we talk about Talmud, but I got to tell you, I am a complete Elul nut. When the month approaches, I find myself excited. I find myself ready. I want to do this cheshbon nefesh, beautiful Hebrew term, meaning literally arithmetic of the soul. I want to come prepared. I want to work out. I want to get to the high holidays feeling like I'm ready. But you know... Even though I've been thinking about it really, really intensely for years now, I don't feel like I have a good LO practice. And I know you're going to train me. You're going to make it better. Before we even get there, let's put it all on the table. Explain LO to those of us who are new to this amazing practice. So Elul is the Hebrew month that leads up to the high holidays. It feels like it's the beginning, but it's actually the close of the previous year leading up to Rosh Hashanah. And there's something very remarkable that happened really at the beginning of Elul, where Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer, which is one of the Midrashim that we have, explains that Elul 
is the beginning of a very important journey, namely where Moses went up onto Mount Sinai when Moshe went up to Sinai in order to receive the second set of luchos, the second set of tablets. If you remember, there's a remarkable story that's told in the 32nd chapter of Exodus where Moses breaks the first set of tablets. We didn't know it was the first set. We thought it'd be the final set because he sees the Jewish people serving the golden calf. And thank God the relationship was not over then. Moshe prayed and asked for a reconciliation, and God invited him to come back up onto the mountain to find a new set of luchos, to receive a new set of the Torah to bring down to the Jewish people. That journey began on the first day of Elul. And in a way, I look at my own life as kind of climbing up Mount Sinai, reflecting back on the last year, and all of us have some broken set of tablets in our lives, whether it's broken promises, whether it's unfulfilled values, it's not living up to the people that we want to be. We all have these shards in our life, and we move up and we ask God, bring me back up to the top of the mountain, give me a second set. And that journey begins in the beginning of Elul. That is amazing. And now begins the hard part. Because look, we have really, really clearly prescribed practices for Rosh Hashanah. We know exactly what to say. We know what to wear. We have shofars. It's great. Yom Kippur, forget about it. The fasting, the praying, the kol nidre, the liturgy, the, you know, Hashem, Hu Elohim, and the Elah at the end. It's so well scripted. It's great. And yet, to prepare for it, we have a month in which we have some practices, but there's no real instruction. There's no real guidebook in a religion that is otherwise really prescriptive on exactly what to do and what not to do, telling you how to go ahead and search your soul for what's broken and what's working. How do you explain that? It's so interesting because Elul actually represents a different stage in the process of Teshuvah. When we talk about repentance in the Talmud, there are really two parts of repentance that we oftentimes discuss. There's a very formal process that we go through beginning on Rosh Hashanah leading up to Yom Kippur, which is very formalized. We ask people for forgiveness. We make amends to people. We embedder ourselves in very formal ways. But there is a first part of teshuva that I actually find even more moving. And the language that the Talmud uses for this form of tshuva is hirhure tshuva the thoughts of doing tshuva. It's those pangs of aspirations. Sometimes it's maybe pulling at our heart with feelings of guilt. I can be better. I want to be better, but I don't know exactly how. And that, instead of just being this ephemeral idea where everybody has felt periods in their own life where their own thoughts start to drift and say, I could be better, I could do better, we actually created a month, which is Elul, where we actually focus on Hirhure Tshuva. Those thoughts of Teshuva, those thoughts of being better, those thoughts of improvement that deliberately are not given formal rituals. They're not given formal rituals because we want it to simmer. We want our mind to wander in unprescripted ways and try to almost imagine the imagination of Teshuvah, the creativity of Teshuvah. That's what Elul is all about. Sitting, reflecting on your own life, on your own interiority and what you're going through and saying, there's got to be a way where this can be better. There's got to be a way where this can be more. And to help us do it, there is slichas, right? The special kind of prayer that we say frequently. 
what are those for the uninitiated? So slichos are extraordinarily remarkable. They're early morning prayer. And slichos are actually petitions to God where we, so to speak, reflect on those pangs, those imaginative teshuva, where we kind of ask all of the celestial hosts of the universe, bring me closer to God, bring me closer to divinity in my life. They're always done either very, very late at night or very, very early in the morning before your day gets started. Because what repentance is all about is not just figuring out how do I get closer to the bullseye, but it's the question, the teshuva of the high holidays is unique because we ask, what should the bullseye be? We're not just asking, how does my life better fit my values? But we ask a more foundational question, what should my values be? And the way to ask that question is when it's not so busy, you're not at work, you're not in the cubicle, you're not answering emails, you're not taking care of your family, but it's very quiet outside. It's late at night. It's super early in the morning. And you ask yourself, not how do I get closer to my values, but what should my values be? What should I be reaching towards? That's the ultimate form of tshuva that I think is embodied by this time of year. So I love it very much. And I try to ask myself, this question for a month, at least a month every year. Let me tell you a little bit about what I do. I read a book every year. It's called This Is Real and You're Completely Unprepared, which is a great Absolutely. book by the, the late, great Rabbi Lou about this process and how to reflect. I try to increase in mitzvot. I try to commit to at least one other practice, one more righteous deed that I didn't observe that strictly. or didn't observe at all and sort of try to add on, not just for the month, but really pledge for the year. I meditate every day as is, but try to really kind of own in on meditation. So I come really after having a lot of time to prepare. We'll hear a bit later in the episode, our friend Kylie Unell doing this in, in Central Park beautifully. I really try to think, read, reflect, and do. What should I be doing better? So uh, far be it for me. We know each other too long that I'm not going to tell you how to improve or a specific oh, path. Oh, please no, do. I need it. I never would. But I will tell you a thought that I always dwell upon in Elo, which kind of gives me a practice to enter the high holidays, which may be deeply satisfying or deeply unsatisfying, but it's actually a description of, of kind of my own thought process, particularly in Elo. There is a very strange custom that we don't find regarding any other month in the Hebrew calendar. And that is for the month of Elul, which is spelled with the Hebrew letters Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, which spells out Elul. For some reason, it's the only month that we do this for. All of the different works, rabbinic works, they always try to find meaningful acronyms for what those Hebrew letters that spell out the word Elul actually represent, Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. And they point to different allusions for what this month represents, the most famous of which is probably that Elul is an acronym for the Hebrew words that can be found in Shir Hashirim in the sixth chapter in the third verse, Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. And there are other illusions that people find that are also extraordinarily beautiful. I'll tell you a few. One is es levavcha vi es levavav, to your heart and to the hearts of others in the 30th chapter, the sixth verse of the book of Devarim. Another beautiful acronym that is found in Elul is actually found in Purim in Megillus Esther, 
where Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed spells out the Hebrew words Ish Lereehu Vimatanos Leevyonim, a person to his friend and gifts to the poor. There is a common denominator in all of these, which are probably the most famous acronyms, and that is our relationship to the people who we treasure and are most beloved to us, our friends, our colleagues, our children, our parents. When I think about Teshuva, I think about reconciliation and healing the relationships that are actually most dear to me. A lot of people, when it comes to reconciliation, when it comes to asking forgiveness, they think about their arch nemesis, the person in the office who, you know, they they, they always hate, the, right. the friend who they got into a fight with from five years ago or 10 years ago and they lost touch with. They think, oh, maybe this year I'll reach out to them. And that's beautiful. I would never stop somebody from doing that. But I think the real reconciliation is the people who are closest to us. Did you ask your spouse for forgiveness? Did you ask your children for forgiveness? Did you ask your parents for forgiveness? Did you ask your closest friends for forgiveness? The Adnila Dodi Vidodi Lee, which is our relationship with God, how do you how do you clean out that pipeline? Ask your Dodi, ask your beloved for forgiveness. How do you create Teshuva in your life? Go and seek forgiveness. Heal the relationships that are closest to you. A person to his friends, to those close to him in his community, and gifts to the poor. I think that in the acronyms, we almost find a roadmap for where we should be placing our emphasis. Rabbi David Beshevkin, this is amazing. And before I let you go, I have just one quick fire question. Suppose someone needs a sort of TLDR, too long, didn't read version of this interview. Suppose someone says, look, I'm a busy person. I just want one thing, one thing to read, one thing to do, one little hack, if you will, one simple hack, as the internet likes to say, to get LO started on the right foot. What would be your prescription? You're setting me up and you're going to kill me for doing this. But but before <laughs> you're killing me. Do here. I hear Rabbi Tzado coming along? No, 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 no. You're, you're, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say one other acronym and then I'm going to give a recommendation that you're more than welcome to cut out. It's a little self-serving and you could absolutely cut my head off and never invite me on again. There's one acronym for Elul that really, really moves me. And it's the acronym. Again, Elul is Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed. There's one acronym that has always moved me, and that is Aron Luchos Veshivre Luchos. That the Ark had this set of whole tablets and also the broken tablets. Aron Luchos Veshivre Luchos. That we have the whole tablets and the shards of the broken tablets all together in the same Ark that lived in the Holy of Holies is an acronym for Elul itself. And I believe that in our life, we have a lot of failures. We have a lot of shards that we're not sure what to do with. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me interrupt and ask you a question. Is there an amazing book that a very wise and wonderful Jew wrote about sin and failure in the Jewish tradition that everyone should read right away? So you're killing me, but that's kind of where I was getting to. <laughs> I, I did write a book about this. I would understand uh, if me recommending my own book is a total deal breaker in this. But if you'll amuse me for a moment, yes, that's where I was going. I did write a book called Synagogue, but spelled S-I-N, on sin and failure in Jewish thought. And that book is about how to take your shivrei luchos, those broken shards in your own life, and find a place for them in the Ark of the Covenant 
that represents the totality of our lived experiences and narratives. Don't discard your failures. Don't discard your difficulties. But take those shards, take those broken pieces and find a place for them in the Aron. I will endorse the book as one of the most meaningful and moving meditations on life, Jewish life, failure, success, and value that I think I've ever read in my life. David Bashevkin, thank you so much for being our guest. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and get your Take One t-shirts and mugs at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnik, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one. Subscribe to our newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.